0: Hey everyone, we're more than 150 episodes into Bobby and Jens. So today we thought we'd do something just a little bit different. We are hosting
1: our first ceremony, smaller than the Veludo, cheaper than the Oscars, and hopefully with less host-slapping too.
0: <laughs> well, we're quite a far ways away from each other, so you don't have to worry about Jensy, but that's right. I mean, for the first time ever... We're going to be dishing out the clumsily um, named Bo Yenzi Awards today. Recognizing our favorite moments from the 2023 season. And we'll be dishing out the awards in some traditional categories and um, a little bit less traditional. So now it's on to our first category, Yenzi, the best classic rider of 2023. Right, and let's go back
1: to the spring, mud, sweat, and tears, 250 kilometers plus of single-day racing, brutal steep climbs, cobblestones, and more. These men and women pushed themselves to the limit and beyond for
0: our enjoyment. It was pretty amazing. I mean, we are going back in time a little bit, thinking about the classics, because there was just so much great racing this year. Um, I mean, gosh, you had Loda Kopecki. Uh, she was amazing. She won the the first couple races in the in the spring campaign. Uh, Het Newsblad, Tora Flanders. Um, who else? Who else would we uh, have on our list there? Well, one that was always there would be Elisa Longo Borghini.
1: She has been always in the classics. She was a little less strong this season. We would then, of course, have Allison Jackson. She won in a spectacular fashion. She won Paris Robet. These are two names. They come to my mind. You have any, anybody else, Bobby?
0: You can't forget Demi Volerine. I mean, she had an amazing year, and it all started in, in the classics there. She won Strada Bianchi, Dwars flandrin Amstel Gold Race, Flesh Wallon, Liege Bestone, Liege. It was a season to be remembered for, for her. So who are we going to pick in
1: between Lotto Kopecki, who had a lot of success, and Davey Follering? Bobby, the Bo Yenzi Award goes, in your opinion, to which one of these two fantastic athletes?
0: I mean, we're really splitting hairs there. You know, Allison, Marlene Ruser, Lisa Longo Borghini had great seasons. But I think the Bo Yenzi Award for the best classics rider of 2023 has to go to Demi Vollering.
1: Well, now we have that cleared out. Let's move on to Demand's
0: Classic Rider of the Year. Well, that again was quite a long time ago, but now I'm starting to remember some of the amazing races by guys like Matteo van der Poel, Wout van Aert, Jesper Philipsen, Mads Pedersen, um, even Tadej Pogacar. I mean, God, that goes back a, a little bit further in the season than my, my memory. But, I mean, there were some amazing rides this this season, Jens. It was. Um, I was impressed by for their
1: reliability all through the season. Jasper Philism, close to 20 wins this year. Mads Pedersen. From the beginning to the Grand Tours, to the end, always putting his nose up there. Maybe not having the biggest wins, but he was always there. But we're looking for the one with the dominant performance. And the Boyenzi Awards, we don't give away easy. It has to be a special rider. So what are we thinking about this time here? Yeah, I believe we have to choose between Matthew, Wout
0: van Aert, Tadej Pogacar, Bobby. Ooh, you're throwing a lot out at me all at once there. But I mean, let's, let's just go back to what, what Todd I did. You know, he started off with a, a very strong campaign in the stage races, but then he gets fourth in Milan-San Remo. He gets third in the E3. He won the Tour of Flanders, Amstel Gold, Flesh Wallone. And who knows, he may have even won Liege-Bastogne-Liege. I mean, it's really hard to go against him, except for the fact that Matthew Vanderpool was on fire this spring. He wins Milan-San Remo, second in E3, wins the Tour of Flanders, wins Peru Bay. Uh, am I missing anything in between there? He had a very good season. That is correct. Yes, that was impressive. So, what's the solution? That's, that's a tough one, but I'm going to have to go with Tadej Pogacar. He showed amazing, from from the cobbled classics to the Ardennes races, he was the only one to win in each of those two very, very different classic campaigns. And
1: he ended up winning the last Monument of the Year, Gio Lombardia. So, yes,
0: the Bojensi Award goes to Tadi Pogacar. All right, now it's time for our next category, which recognizes the riders that normally don't get the glory but do a heck of a lot of work: the domestique of the year. Yenzi, who for the women's side would you nominate as the Bo Yenzi Award winner for domestique of the year?
1: Well, looking at uh, some of the classics, the Tour de France, like all through this season, there's a few women you could see often at the front of the peloton, chasing the breakaway down, preparing an attack for their leader. But um, I guess one that really comes to my mind would be Marlon Royce from Team SD Works. She had a few wins herself, which is not always the case for a domestic, but she definitely was a key part of helping Demi Follering winning her first ever Women's Tour de France.
0: Uh, I have to totally agree with you there. I mean, it's pretty nice um, wealth of riches that they have on, on SD works. And um, I, I, I can't fight you on that one. And the Bo Yenzi Award for the Women's Domestic of the Year goes to
1: Marlon Reuser. Well-deserved. She was strong and reliable all season long. And that's what makes a really good, reliable domestic. So Marlon,
0: congratulations. You are one of the strongest riders out there. But now we get to the men. Um, it's a little bit less cut and dry on this one because there's so many great domestiques out there. I mean, you know, who would not want Filippo Gana, uh guiding them through the peloton? But um, who would your choice for domestique of the year 2023 be, Yenzi, for the men? Strangely enough... Uh
1: like three names that come to my mind are all from the same team or from Jumbo Wismar. Christoph Laporte won a few races himself, but was important rider placing his captains in different races. Um, Wout van Aert, a champion himself, but also played a key role in, you know, helping Jonas Vingegaard winning the Tour de France again. Um, and I guess, One we absolutely have to mention will be Zeb Kass. I mean, not does he only finished all three Grand Tours. He finished, um, let me quickly look that up. I believe he was uh, 14th in the Giro, eleven or 12th in the Tour. And as a designated domestic, ending up winning the Vuelta España. That's pretty phenomenal. Or what's your? You won this, Bobby.
0: Oh, hands down, hands down. Anybody that competes all three Grand Tours, let alone win one of them, has to be the domestique of the year. And I'm so happy to give the Bo Yenzi Domestique of the Year award for 2023 to Sep Kuss. Sep, you did America proud. You did yourself proud. And Yenzi, one thing that you mentioned there, you're absolutely right the wealth of riches on that team, you know, SD works has it for the women's side, uh, Jumbo Visma has it for the men's side. You know, those guys and girls just click off each other and they have a winning combination going for sure. But uh Sepkus, congratulations and not a
1: awards category, but we definitely have to talk about it. Retirements because there's quite some characters, colorful athletes really successful athletes, there is some big hitters hanging up the cleats this year.
0: You're absolutely right, Yenzi. I think every year we do get a few big names, but there was quite a few this year. I mean, Annemiek van Vleuten, Peter Sagan, Greg van Evermet, uh, Thibaut Pinot. I mean, he had an amazing career and ended it the way that he wanted to. Um, who else did we have? We had quite a few other big names. Tony Gallopan, former teammate of
1: mine. Marta Bastianelli. Luis Young Sanchez, the one that we raced with him when he was young, coming up. He just retired this year. Colorful Australian time trial world champion extraordinaire, Rohan Dennis,
0: for example. Bobby, some more names, please. Yeah, I uh, I can't believe I forgot the Roland Dennis one. Um, That was a big one. I mean, I think you know what he did for the teams throughout his career, and then was able to produce some big time trial victories and and overall performances. He'll be missed. But I know, you know, every rider has their story about when and and how to retire. Um, Nathan Van Hoydunk, he's another one that's retiring. Maybe not uh, the way that he wanted to retire. Uh, We also have Hannah Barnes. Uh, Maria Bastignelli, um, Daryl Impey, and we're going to have the pleasure of seeing Daryl Impey next year as a DS for Israel Premier Tech. So I'm sure he's going to keep us entertained. And Giorgio Williams. So, you know, that's a lot of really big names. I think a lot of our viewers and listeners remember the sensations, the memories that this group of writers has, has given to everyone. And you know, chapeau, hats off, if you will, to all these riders and good luck in retirement.
1: Correct. Good luck in retirement, especially for Nathan van Hoorten. We are so glad that um, he is retired, but healthy and will have a normal life. So that's really like a little happy end to that the dramatic story. And uh, just to uh, make our viewers and listeners understand, How much quality retires this year, I haven't counted yet, but I would guess amongst these riders, men and women, there's gotta be some 30, 40, or 50 Tour de France stage wins. I mean, Peter Zagan alone has what, 10, 12 of them? Van Avermaet, Pino has a few, Um, Daryl Impey has one, Ruan Dennis, Annemiek van Vleuten. There's gotta be 40 or 50 Tour de France stage wins retiring this year. So. Chapeau and the
0: deepest respect to all of these legends of our sport. Absolutely. But um, now moving to a a little bit different category. Um, You know, we we see these men and women win races. We see them suffering. We see them, you know, chasing their dreams. But one of the most important things about winning is that post-race interview. Um, we had a couple amazing post-race interviews this year. And Yenzi, I would like to ask you, who do you think the best post-race interview for the women was in the 2023 season? I guess,
1: again, the women get more TV coverage, so we got more chances to see interviews from them. They also do their media training, so they do really well. There's a lot of good interviews, you know, after winning races, but the one that sticks out to me because it is so straight from the heart, like cheer, joy, and happiness, and relief, it's over, and she did it. Alison Jackson, right after winning Perry ruby for the woman, it was just a pleasure to watch her, and it makes me smile even now, thinking back to it. I go, wow, she was so incredibly happy. It was infecting everybody looking at that interview was smiling. I'm pretty sure about that.
0: Absolutely. Um, okay. She admitted to us when she was on the Bobby and Yen's podcast that, you know, she wanted to do a great race, but she didn't really have the pressure of a lot of the other favorites to do it. And then for her to come through and to get on that track and to be sprinting for the win and actually win the final sprint on the Peru Bay Velodrome Her her honest and just basically organic reaction was one of disbelief. And I think that that really resonated with me because it just gave everyone an understanding of why we race the races. Sure, we can have favorites, you know, five-star favorite, three-star favorite, one-star favorite, no favorite. But everyone has a chance to win, and she proved that this year. So I think – it, the 2023 Interview of the Year for the women, the Bo Yenzi Award definitely has to go to Alison Jackson.
1: And if we look at the men's interview, this year, in my eyes, it is fairly easy. Um, stage 19, Tour de France, Matej Mohorjevic winning the stage, and he's just in between tears of joy that he won and tears of sadness, because he took it from the other riders, they deserve to win as well. The way he explained it, how hard the sport is, how much sacrifices go into it, and he didn't know if he should cry or laugh or all of it at the same time. So I believe Maki Mohoric, that was straight from the heart, one of the most deeply
0: honest interviews I have seen in a very long time, or Bobby, what's, uh, what's your opinion here? Absolute no brainer. This one, as soon as I listened to it, I knew was going to be classic. Not only did he mention how hard it is for him, you know, like you said, taking the win away from somebody else, but the way that he thanked the support staff, everyone around the races, and he did it so eloquently right then and there. I, I'd always been a fan of Matej Mohoric, but right then and there, I became a super fan. And then we stalked him for quite a few weeks and then finally got him on the podcast. So, Yenzi, um, I think it's unanimous. The Bobby and the, the Bo Yenzi, if you will, award for the 2023 Interview of the Year for Men goes to? The Bo Yenzi goes to Matej Mohoric for the
1: best interview of the season 2023. We'll be right back after this short break. And now, back to our awards.
0: Now it's time to remember some silly moments of the year. So strange, the things that you thought would never happen, those bizarre incidents on on the roads that made us giggle a little bit. Um, we're going to call this the, I didn't expect to see that on my TV screen award. Um, Jens, before I jump into this, I have to say one of the funniest things was seeing you get slapped on the wrist for your, uh, your interview technique during the Giro on the back of the motorcycle. Um, evidently you weren't allowed to do that. Um, tell us a little bit about that, that whole, um, period when, uh, you were learning the ropes of being the motorcycle journalist
1: um yes um i believe earlier this year the uci put a rule out no more interviews live on a motorbike to a bike rider you can go to the Spot director's car if you lower the window they're obviously willing to talk you then can hand out your mic on a cable you can hand it over well you keep it in your hand but you can approach the mic to your interview partner you cannot do that with a rider because the rider gets distracted and then he loses focus, and he might cause a crash himself or behind. Um, but it's my first day ever, and it's raining. At, at, at that moment, I think we were going up. It was a little warmer, and I think I might have even seen just a tiny little bit of light gray sky. Not rain and dark gray, but light gray. I was in a good mood, and this German rider comes past. and go, hey, how are you? And he comes closer, and I said, hey. And that automatically, I'm a journalist. you know. I'm working for Eurosport, so I get the mic out. And then I can see the red car coming up. Rew, 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 uh, and red like da, 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 So I guess they let me get away because I was so excited. It was my first day. I apologized. And maybe it helped that they could see I didn't do it on any bad meanings. You know, I was just getting carried away. So they gave me a little slip. Say, we let you get away once, but don't do that again, please. I think one of the first things come to my mind, what I didn't expect to see, because I love stories like that, The horse on the road at the Strati Bianchi for the woman. How often do we see a horse? Well, I guess once a year probably it is, right? So it's always a highlight. A horse running along with the race. It is always. And the horse, oh, wait, we talking of like, you know, a thousand pounds of muscles and fear and panic. And four really hard, what do you call them? Hoof, hof, hooves? You know, so they can hurt you if they kick you. It's a scary seeing a horse. Because it's uncontrollable. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm happy to just watch it on TV. But I'm glad I wasn't there live with the horse kind of like separating the field almost.
0: Yeah, that must have been a a very stressful situation. But luckily, uh, no riders were were hurt. Um, One thing for me that really comes to mind was the... Open In the Tour de France, I forget which stage this was, but, you know, we've, we've got the Yates brothers and they're twin brothers. And there's this one segment where not only are they twins, but they're in the exact same gear with the exact same cadence in the exact same, um, I guess, arc of the pedal stroke. And it was just like, wait, am I seeing double here? But like one is in one jersey and one is in another jersey. That to me was like super, super cool. I don't think, um, well, that's not very possible uh, for for many other riders because there's not that many people with identical twins that look exactly the same and have the exact same um, uh, power, if you will, on on climbs like that in the Tour de France. What do you think, Yenzi?
1: That was a pretty good one. And um, remembering it back, I was thinking, Imagine the poor mother of them. She's going to go, Well, who, who I'm going to go for? I love them both. They're both my sons. Who am I want to win? So it's going to be a strange or hard situation for the parents of them too to go. Well, I don't know who to support of them too. I have another little highlight, a lot easier. Um, you don't see that often either. Uh, Luke Rowe chucks a bee on a bike at the Tour of Britain while he's riding along. Um... And as I say, you um, don't see that often. I heard, just rumors of course, that in 2008, the winning Tour de France team, one of their riders at least, had beer in his bottle starting on the last day into Paris with beer in his bottle. Oh wait, 2008 was the Carlos Castro winning? Huh, maybe I did (laughs) give away too much information, but (laughs) I have only heard of that. I've never seen it myself. I only heard that apparently sometimes riders start with a beer in a bottle, on the way to the
0: Champs-Élysées. Wow. You know, I never heard that, but um, with a couple uh, blokes on on that team from down under, you never know. You never know. So, Yenzi, you got to decide, who is the winner of the I-didn't-expect-to-see-that-on-my-TV-screen
1: award? Debo Yenzi award 2023 for i didn't expect that to see on my tv screen goes to the Yates brothers insane because it was just all it was drama it was heartbreaking heartwarming it was magic them to kind of like accelerate at the same time using the same gears uh, uh, you could see well yeah they, they are twins they are perfect twins they didn't even need to look back to know that the other one is right there behind them they had this inner connection that they, like, apparently only identical twins can have. So that was the most magic moment and the moment I did not
0: expect to see on my screen. So now we move on to General Classification Rider of the Year. It's time to recognize the men and women who carried their team's expectations on their backs during the biggest races of the season. It's the GC Riders. GC riders, rider of the year for the women, Yenzi. Who do you got?
1: Well, we do have a young and very promising talent from Italy, the Gaia Realini. Third at the Vuelta, third at the Giro. No Tour de France, but she finished second in the UAE Tour and third in the Tour de l'Avenir. So, within one year, she had two podiums on a Grand Tour, plus another two podiums at um, smaller races so she is definitely an up and coming star because she is very very young
0: well we can't um maybe maybe not as young but uh, we cannot forget Annemiek van Vleuten. she had an amazing career she started this year by winning the women's tour of Spain the Giro um, and then she had a little bit of a trouble there in the Tour de France and ran into the juggernaut from SD Works, and but still finished fourth. Um, amazing GC prowess her whole entire career, but winning two out of the three Grand Tours available this year, that was pretty impressive. Another one, Katarzyna Miradonna, tenth at the Vuelta,
1: but third in the Tour de France, podium Tour de France. That is a very, very good result as well. And then, let's not forget the up-and-coming queen of women's cycling, Demi Vollering. She finished second at the Vuelta Spagna. She didn't do the Giro, but she won the Tour de France. She took the big one. She basically took the crown of the reigning queen, Annemiek van Vleuten, and put that crown onto her head, at, I believe, for the next years to come. Demi Following will be the queen of women's cycling, but we are not in the future. We are in the year 2023.
0: So Bobby, who do we give our Bo Yenzy Awards to? I think the Bo Yenzi Award for GC Rider of the Year for the women has to go to Annemiek van Vleuten. You win two out of the three. Uh, that's pretty hard to, to argue against. What do you think?
1: Absolutely correct. She was Just a little bit short on being podium Tour de France. And yes, winning two out of the three. Yeah, I believe
0: she is the GC rider of the year for the women's peloton. Okay, Yenzi. Now on to the men GC general classification rider of the year. We had some pretty amazing uh, race results to look at. Riders were flying all over the place. Um, Who would you nominate? For the GC rider of the year for the men.
1: Well, let's start easy with the happy kid fairy tale champion of the Welter, Zebkas. In as a domestic, finished 14th in the Jury Italia. As a domestic, and uh, don't forget, he finished 14th in the jury Italia that Roglic, his teammate, won. Then he goes on, finished 12th in the Tour de France, helping his teammate Jonas Wingegard win that one. And the last Grand Tour of the year, he takes for himself. So I would call that a pretty reliable, solid GC
0: performance all over the year. No doubt. He definitely mixed uh, the, the two jobs there, you know, working as a domestique and then uh, shifting over to the leadership role. But talk about a guy that has the leadership role pretty much all the time and always seems to deliver. Primos Roglic. I mean... He won every race that he did. I mean, I think you were the uh, person that brought this to my attention in one of our uh, earlier podcasts, was that he won every general classification race that he entered this year, except for the Tour of Spain, correct?
1: Uh, Yes, he had an incredible, reliable, great season. And uh, he not only won these races, he won them in style with... At least one, two, sometimes three stage wins. So yes, he was definitely one of the most dominant GC riders of this year. But then again, I'm a bit of a fanboy of Tadej Pogacar. Tadej Pogacar won a first stage race he at the Ruta del Sol. Then he ends up winning Paris Nice. Three stage wins in each one of them. Didn't do the Giro. Finished second in the Tour, so he didn't win the Tour, but he had a lot of really good results
0: as well, again, this year. Well, talk about the guy that had the r- biggest result of the year was Jonas Vingegaard. He, like Roglic, in the spring won basically every stage race that he entered. Um, of course, he didn't do the Giro, but his main goal Of the season was to win the Tour de France. And guess what? He won the Tour de France. And then when you thought it was all over that he was going to be just going around and doing criteriums and sipping champagne and hanging out on the beach, he shows up and gets second in the Tour of Spain, the Vuelta. Um, There's some amazing names right there, Yenzi, but we have to pick one. Who do you think the Bo Yenzi for the 2023 GC Rider of the Year award should go to?
1: All these names we just mentioned, they all deserve this category, this win, the Boyensie Award. But since the Tour de France is the biggest ever possible trophy you can get, everybody goes there in peak shape and wants to win. The Boyenzi Award 2023 for the best GC rider goes to Jonas Wingegaard. He had all the pressure of coming up with the same result like last year. Last year, he was a bit of a surprise package. That's a little bit easier mentally talking. This year, all the pressure was on him. All the eyes were on him. Everybody chased him and he still pulled it off. So, plus he won a few other GC races before. For example, the Dauphin Libere, which is not exactly a little panic-cooking race. So, the Boyenzi Award goes to Jonas Wienergaard for being reliable when it counts the most.
0: I have to agree with you there. I mean, like you said, there's, it's splitting hairs. Um, and it's just funny that three of the names on our list are also from the same team. On to our next category, best race of the year. Every time
1: you get to raise your arms in the air, it's a good race. There are many on a calendar that suckers in. But there can only be one race of the year awarded to the event that blew us to our seats, the longest,
0: and left us with our nails chewed off. Oh, Yenzi, I mean, that, that's, that's really hard. Um, but I'm going to throw out, because it is the biggest race in the world, the, the Tour de France, especially the time trial where Jonas Venego, um absolutely crushed everyone and basically won the race on that day for for me that would be one of the most special days of the year what do you think
1: absolutely it was special every day was more or less special I have to admit at to the Tour de France this year how about Paris Roubaix when almost friends and arch rivals Matthew van der Poel and Wout van Aert go face to face head to head and Wout has this weird puncture, change of wheels and Matthew van der Poel pulls it off, wins Peri-Roubaix in a fantastic style. Nice solo attack. That
0: was exciting. And I was definitely glued to my seat until the very last moment. You know, Yenzi, I never raced Peri-Roubaix, but it will always be my favorite race of the year to watch on TV. So regardless what happened this year, I mean, it was phenomenal. Vanderpool, I mean, just grande class the whole entire time but i also have to put on our list the tour de france femme you know it it started so massive there was so much expectation and you know what's going to happen who's going to lead and then on the penultimate stage demi volerine pulls out like the i think the greatest win of of her career uh up on the on the mountain there i think that was the tourmalet and i remember when she was on the podcast she told us how much she reconned that climb and where she planned to make her move and she carried it out to to the letter so that the entire tour de france and then tour de france fam has to be on our list definitely and also do we everybody knew she is gonna
1: attack because she wants to flip the race she wants to change the results the overall standings and she didn't have much more chance because the next day was a TT. so it was her only and last chance and she took it like a champ didn't crack under pressure and really performed in the right moment when everybody was looking at her absolutely impressive and another nail biter but world championships of um, the men's race or the men's race of the world championships Okay, we went off to a little bit of a lean start with that protest and people sitting in the gutter and uh, sitting, you know, on the road, on the tarmac for about 20 to
0: 30 minutes. But the race then turned really exciting, didn't it? You know, Yenzi, I didn't get up early enough to watch that protest. I got up, turned on the TV, and I saw balls to the wall racing. And they hadn't even hit the circuits yet. They were still 30, 40k away from the circuits. So that absolutely was one of the most fun world championships I've ever watched because it was so aggressive. I started, I had to go, I was watching it on, on my TV, but I had to go on the internet because I thought they maybe had the counter wrong, the kilometers wrong, that they were closer to the finish than they actually were because why in the heck were they riding so fast? I mean, Mads Pedersen, the team Denmark just dropped the hammer, you know, on the, First lap of the circuits, and those circuits were not easy.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that because it left me scratching my head as well. Just as you said, I'm like, boys, it's 30 or 40 miles, it's 60 kilometers to go. And they raced like there's no tomorrow. They went all in. Even big names like Wolf van Aert tried one time to attack on that uh, hill. Mats Patterson, at least three or four times, you put this boys on the front, he attacked himself. Everybody was just giving it left, right, center. It was absolutely incredible. Plus, these harsh conditions, you know. I mean, we are talking, you know, late in the year in Scotland in the ring. It was pretty tough conditions there for the riders. And they, yeah, they just really went so hard. And then Bobby, what happened to the eventual world champion later? Please remember us.
0: Oh, man. I mean, there you are thinking he's got it. You know, Wout is, uh, is dropped. And then all of a sudden, one of the best bike handler- handlers in the world turfs it going around a pretty simple turn. Not only did he turf it, but he broke his shoe, his his little Bora, uh, boa um, ratchet thing that we all have on our shoes and we all twist. And I'm sitting there going, wait a second. This guy had it. And now he lost it, but how he composed himself and just ripped that boa, boa, little string off there and just, you know, motored all the way to the finish line. So for me, all those races were amazing we were so emotionally invested in, in all of them, but the world championships, the winner wears thus the, the rainbow Jersey for an entire year. And he had it. We all thought he lost it. And then he fought through and said, No, 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 this is my day, regardless. So for me, the rider of the 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 race of the year, the Bo Yenzi Award goes to the world championships for the men with Matthew Vanderpoel winning.
1: Correct. It was exciting. And even the sprint for second, third place was exciting. D where it was all open until they crossed the line. You know, with Tadde out outsprinting Mats Patterson, who ever thought of that? That Tade Pugacha finishes third, Mats Patterson finishes fourth. Um, you know, there's probably 20 kilos of muscle mass difference in between there. Mats Patterson is one of these big Viking warrior types, he's a pure classics rider and sprinter. Tadde Pogaccia is this fine, small build climber. Yeah, he outsprinted after six hours. Mats Patterson, a former world champion. So, yes, it was exciting
0: at every lap, at every aspect of it was so exciting. Now, on to our next award, and this is the big one the Rider of the Year. This award goes out to the writer who made 2023 their own. They dominated in multiple categories and left their opposition in the dust. Yenzi, who do you have for Rider of the Year?
1: Well, if we start with uh, the woman's peloton again, there's a few names you already mentioned. Lotto Gopecki would be a worthy winner of this. Annemiek von Fleuten, you know, for being one of the greatest female cyclists ever in history. Of course, Demi Follering being so strong all year long. There is a few good names. So Bobby, what do you think? You got any other names or who is your pick for this one?
0: Yeah, I, I think you got it. You got my my choice there. But, I mean, you got to throw Lodica Pecky in there as well. I mean, she had an amazing, amazing season. Um, so I'm torn here, Yenzi. Um, we're a team. I'm going to roll with your decision. Who is the writer of the year for the women in 2023? All righty. The Bo Yenzi Award for the Ride of
1: the Year in the Women's Peloton goes to Demi Foddering. She is leading the world ranking. She had an absolutely sensational spring campaign. And she topped it off with winning a spectacular Tour de France femme. So she was always there when it was super important at all the big events. She was right on top of it. Plus she's leading the rankings. I believe she is. No, not I believe. I am sure she is the Bo Yenzi winner, rider of the year in the women's peloton, Demi Follery.
0: I'm glad you made that easy on me because uh, that was my, my choice as well. So uh, we, uh, we settle on that one for sure. And now we also have the men's
1: peloton to choose a rider from. And as we already started, there is a lot of spec. Spectacular performances made. Of course, we got the usual suspects. I mean, Mats Patterson, he's up in the world rankings. He is performing all year long, winning stages in all three grand tours within the same year. That's not really often happening. That's one example, Bobby. What's what's
0: your plan on this? I I think you know it's all the 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 usual suspects, you know, Jonas, Tade, Van um you can even throw Christoph Laporte in there, maybe. Um, Matthew Vanderpool, I'm sorry. That that just kind of raises to the top for me. He had such an amazing season with winning the Cycle cross, winning Milan-San Remo, winning Roubaix, winning the World Championships. I'm sorry. If there is a, a number one rider for me, for us to get on the podcast next year that I would absolutely enjoy, it would be... Um, Matthew Vanderpoel. I agree, Bobby. I absolutely
1: agree. Twice world champion in the same year in cyclocross and in the roadways. And we just talked about how dramatic it was in what absolutely fascinating fashion he won the world championships uh, road. So, yeah, all the big ones, he was on top of the game.
0: Yep, I believe that is the man of the year. So... It's unanimous. The Bo Yenzi Award for Rider of the Year for the Men is Mateo Vanderpol. Now, as we look to the future with
1: our final category, it's worth recognizing those riders who we think are going to make a bigger name for themselves in 2024.
0: So I'm going to throw a name out there that we already know, even though we're talking about one to watch in 2024. I think she's going to have an amazing season, uh, hopefully bringing home an Olympic gold medal in the time trial. Chloe Deigart, Um, She's had her struggles, but I think we, we can see it all coming together now that we're moving into an Olympic year.
1: Yep, that's what it seems like with her, that she lives up to the pressure. She lives up to the expectations. She had that terrible crash. We all remember that. Um, She came back and I believe with a new team now she is going to be definitely one to watch. But on the other side of that is a very young climber type woman Raya Gailini. She finished twice on a podium in a Grand Tour. Fantastic climber. Still young. I believe 20 years old if I'm correct. So she is definitely also one to watch. Tough battle between
0: them two. Okay, even though it's a tough battle between those two, Yenzi, I'm gonna lean on you again. Who gets the Bo Yenzi Award for one to watch in 2024? The Bo Yenzi Award
1: for 2024 almost. A rider to watch in a women's peloton will be Chloe Dygard, already multiple times world champion, but the big year with the Olympics coming up, I guess she is definitely out there, hungry, lean, and ready to take it.
0: All right, I uh, I agree with that as well. Uh, for for the men, um, let's face it, Yenzi, this sport is getting younger and younger. But um, a lot of those young guys are marquee names already. You know, they're they're coming into the peloton and they're kicking butt and taking names right away. But one rider that I know we saw a little bit this year and we're going to see a lot more of next year, for me, Joshua Tarling is the the rider to watch in 2024. I mean, his potential is, is scary. I guess you're right on this one.
1: Um, and I wouldn't fight your uh, plan or I wouldn't fight your decision um, to go for him because, yes, he did show incredible potential. And with a little bit of guiding and a little bit, you know, getting in the right position at the right time, he will definitely surprise a few people in the coming
0: years. So the Bo Yenzi Award for the Rider to Watch in 2024 for the men is Joshua Tarling. Well, everyone, that's our time for this week and this year. I mean, Yenzi. 2023 is in the books, we're over 150 episodes in, and I must say, you're looking pretty dapper there with that, that, uh, that tie you got on.
1: Well, I try to, you know, live up to the occasion, um, giving awards, so I try to look like somebody going to the Oscars or the Ville of
0: Huge thanks to you, our listeners and viewers, for being a part of our podcast this year.
1: And thanks a million for giving us five-star reviews and to share us with your friends
0: all year long. Please keep doing that in the coming years. The show was a Velo production in association with Shock Giraffe. This episode was produced and edited by Mark Payne. And please remember to check out the
1: video version of this podcast by heading to the Outside Watch YouTube channel.
0: Get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, threads, and Facebook. Just head to at Bobby and Yens and give us a follow.